When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mark and Michael's Musings, a matchsticks and gasoline podcast under the SB Nation podcast umbrella. It's Mark. It's Michael. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm just doing fantastic. I've been on phone calls all day and on phone calls all day yesterday, so hooray for me. Uh, let's jump right in. Flames and Stars tonight, 6.30 uh, p.m. Mountain Time start. Uh, Calgary and Dallas, um, this is a pretty big game tonight for the Flames at Dallas. They haven't played there well. Uh, lost six on their last 10 but um wild card points on the line the flames are virtually tied with them points wise at 48 but they have percentage uh points ahead so they technically are in that last wild card spot um big game tonight yeah i'm looking forward to uh seeing how they do dallas is usually one of those teams that i'm not looking forward to playing they just always seem to play a style that kind of just shuts the flames down and it's always like a 2-1 game it's kind of like the uh the old Minnesota games where it was always like 2-1 and you weren't entertained. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think the Flames should be able to take the Stars. They haven't been a great team this year. But uh, now if they lose, it's back to being outside the playoff picture again. So yeah, it's a big game. Uh, yeah, the Flames lost already to Dallas this season, 4-3 in overtime back on uh, November 4th. Looking at it right now, Dallas has been playing pretty okay lately. Uh, I, the preview today... They've scored five or more goals six times in their last eight wins, which is kind of the tough staring down that. But on the flip side, in their last, like, I think five losses, they've allowed 20 goals. So it's it's kind of feast or famine if you're the Dallas Stars. Um, what, what do you think Calgary has to do tonight? I mean, obviously, I don't think Jacob Markstrom is going to pitch his eighth shutout tonight. Uh, but um, what do you think is Calgary's big key tonight to getting a win in Dallas? Um, I think the big thing will be uh, shutting down that star's top line. Uh, it's been this year, at least it's been Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, and Joe Pavelski, who's just completely going off at, I believe, the age of 37. Uh, just that line has been outstanding for the stars. The story supplanted the regular like Ben Sagan you have to watch for. And I think for the Flames to have any shot, you kind of have to shut them down. But also, I think you do need to score first and score early in this game because... Like I said before, Dallas, if they get up by one or two, they can kind of just grind you down and finish out the game there. So if the Flames can score early and shut down that top line, I really like their chances. Yeah, and not helping Calgary tonight either is uh, Tyler Sagan's. I had three points in his uh, for the first time in a couple of games. He's coming back from injury. So Sagan's always a tough guy to watch. The one thing, uh, Dallas kind of been going through a goaltending injury bug. They've been off and on all season long. Ottinger's probably going to get the start tonight. He's 11-4-0. Holtby's out. Um so who knows what's going to happen? It's the first time the Flames are going to see Ottinger this season. So who knows? You know, you know that never boasts well for Calgary. Yeah, I think um, Dallas is like a weird team as a whole this year. They looked like they were going to be pretty firmly sellers for a while, but they've kind of played better over the last 15 or 20 games. And uh, like you said, Sagan's one of those guys. He's been really, I've had him on my fantasy team. So I know he's been ice cold almost all year long. And then He's finally started to pick it back up here in the last four or five games, which of course isn't great for the Flames, but I think like we've said a few times this year, if the Flames are going to be a playoff team, this is a game you have to win, so uh, we'll see if they do it or not. 
Yeah, and what the Flames are definitely going to have to do is play better than they did in their last game against the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, Calgary won, won the nothing in overtime thanks to Johnny Gaudreau, but that game, they just looked terrible. I mean, Vancouver didn't do themselves any favors either. Um, they played horrible. Markstrom, to his credit, did everything he did, got his seventh shutout of the season, tying Mika Kippersoff for the most second most amount of shutouts in a season by a Flames goaltender. He only needs to get three more to go to tie the record at 10. It's conceivable in another 40 games. He's going to play, what, 30 of those anyway or so? Something like that. So there's a chance he gets it, but uh, got to be better than they were against Vancouver, right? Yeah, that was a strange game in that the Flames were not good, but like they were decidedly still better than Vancouver. So you kind of had a weird feeling coming out of that one because like that probably should have been a 3 nothing fairly comfortable win that Demko kind of carried Vancouver to just a point. But at the same time, the Flames played poorly enough that I think almost any other opponent they would have lost to. So it was just such a sloppy game. It was such a like a low chance, not too entertaining game. It was nice to see Johnny finally win it in overtime, but... It, it was a struggle, especially those first couple periods to get through with... Uh, it was nice to see them limit the Canucks to, like, I think it was, like, three shots in the first, like, 35 minutes or something, but beyond that, it was just... It, it was pain, but those are the games Calgary's going to have to win with Sutter as their coach. They don't have the firepower yet to win the 5-4 games as much, so uh, I don't know, we might have to get used to those. Yeah, I, the Gaudreau goal in overtime, I think, was great because, one, it wasn't 5-hole. Two, he's been going top corner glove side all season long. And then he just switches it up and takes a low burning slap shot to the far post, goes in and scores. And it's just the relief, the look on his face after that was just amazing. It's like, it's almost like, boys, get on my back. Let's go. Johnny's going to take this team the rest of the way. Um, but speaking of guys that have been helping the Flames lately, uh, Michael Backlund, kind of another guy rising from the dead. Backlund's got three goal or three goals or three points in his last five games. He's got 27 shots in those five games. Um, Backlund seems like one of those guys, like the puck is starting to actually get closer to the net, hit the net. Whereas most of the time Backlund would come in, take a slap shot. And it was Mark Giordano style, six, seven feet wide or over the net. Not any good. Um, Backlund seems like he's starting to resurrect himself. Yeah. He's still missing the net off and on here uh, with some of his good chances, but he's always been a, uh, late January, early February, March kind of player who would always resurge after a slow start. And uh, it looks like we're just kind of seeing the start of the traditional backland big push. And that's always good when you're a team trying to figure out what you have kind of coming down the stretch here as we're just about past the halfway mark. If they can get backland kind of... It's not even that he wasn't producing points-wise early in the year. It just he didn't have that same impact to his game. And that's something I think we're finally kind of seeing now is that the impact and the points are even are coming even more now and it really makes the flames look a lot stronger when he's in that 2c role and he's filling it really well yeah i mean you mentioned the fact that he struggled with things at times i mean the other night what did he hit a post and then he had a breakaway with the puck rolled off his stick he, i think he had two breakaways that night it just just wasn't in the cards for him but he has been playing better which is nice and if he and coleman and monahan and those guys can and even the points they're getting out of their defensemen can start to ramp up a little bit. They still obviously need to add somebody who can shoot and put the puck in the net. But right now, if you get these guys to start helping you, that's better than where they were 15 games ago. Um, speaking of someone not helping the flames and or helping himself is Uso Valimaki. Um, I think everybody had high hopes for Valimaki when he was drafted. Then he blew out his knee and then it took a while to get back. It played okay. Daryl Sutter came in. Sutter clearly has no use for um, Valimaki at all. He's been stuck in Stockton. He's been hurt this year. I think he's got seven points in 11 games, so not bad. But the other night, um, Uso Valimaki decided to get into it with Brett Sutter. They have a uh, they have a little history between the two of them. And then 
as the referees broke it up, Falamaki picked up his stick and from all intents and purposes of video, looks shoved the referee out of the way in his way to go back, which is an automatic. It, it's a game. It's a game misconduct. He's out of the game. He got three games. He's been suspended. Um, weird sequence for Valamaki. Been a weird career for him, right? Yeah, it's kind of feels like these last, like this last half season to a year, has kind of totally knocked him off. Uh, I know a lot of people said, "Oh, that wasn't much of a shove," but obviously, officials, it's a no tolerance thing. Like I think the AHL is like a mandatory at minimum three games, so. It's one of those things you just can't let any of that slide, so I totally understand it. But yeah, it's just another bump in the road for him, and it's becoming a very, very bumpy road very quickly. I don't know if the Flames have the uh, the shocks to put up with many more bumps from Val Mackey's progression here, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see him as a name that's kind of thrown into a trade, maybe at the deadline if the Flames uh, push their chips in. Yeah, and you look at a guy like Valamaki too, you don't know what he's even worth at this point because his NHL experience has been so up and down and so streaky. Um, so he could probably end up being like uh, either that or a team's going to look at that and be like, you know what? This guy's got potential. He was a high draft pick. Maybe we can turn something into him. Kind of like what the flame like Panthers did with Sam Bennett, you know, guy that just wasn't working in Calgary. Yeah. And in a weird kind of sick way, that could almost be a benefit to Calgary that uh, Bennett went to Florida and turned it around. Cause maybe now other teams will be thinking, Hey, Calgary just doesn't know how to develop their young guys, whether that's right or wrong. Maybe that would actually increase the interest in Val Mackey. And I'm also thinking like a guy like Dylan Dubé, who's kind of stagnated in his role with the team. Like if you're a team kind of in that rebuilding where you have a couple of years where you just have to get, bring in some guys and see what they can do. Like maybe you look at Calgary and just say, Hey, they don't know what they're doing with their young guys. And uh, we can take advantage of that. So maybe that actually helps the flames a little bit in a kind of bummer of a way, but we'll see, I guess, as the uh, deadline gets closer. Well, let's jump into Dubé. You had that great piece the other day on Dylan Dubé and like, is he the odd man out? I mean, I think he clearly is. He gets yo-yoed through the lineup. He's not getting top six minutes anymore, which is fine because he hasn't earned any top six minutes. His play is just not there. He doesn't seem like a Sutter guy, right? Well, it's funny listening to what you kind of just explained about him. Is that not like word for word what we said about Sam Bennett all those years? Like. Yeah. In in the lineup, center, left wing, up, down, never really with the same guys. Like he seems to do okay when he's with Lucic for whatever reason, but the Flames or Dubé just haven't given any consistency with what his spot's going to be on this team. So that's why I was kind of looking yesterday when the Flames are, if they make that big swing, you often see like a roster guy going the other way. Like you look at Dubé, two point three million dollars for two more years after this, like. That's a player I think that you move if you have to bring in someone, make a deal, and then that's also cap space for uh, next year. You bring in like a Peltier or a younger player on a ELC to kind of replace, and then you save million, million and a half dollars. Like I- I- I'm okay with trading him. I'd be kind of bummed because I wouldn't be shocked to see him kind of take off somewhere else. But like we just said, Val Mackey, like we said with Bennett, like it just doesn't seem to be working here at least right now. Although. It might be a bit too early to give up on him, but I'm not opposed if you bring in a star or a very good player in a trade if he's going the other way. Yeah, no, I, Dubé just seems like one of those guys. He's gotten plenty of chances. It's not like they've you know played him for three games and then sat him for a month and brought him back. Like He's been given the opportunity to skate with high-end talent on the Flames, you know, for what the Flames have for high-end talent, and it just doesn't seem like it's working. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery and sam bennett is the ultimate example of that now can bennett continue that play down the line where's sam bennett going to be in two or three years 
You know, is this just a hot streak he's on because he's on a really, really good Panthers team? You know, so I think we'll see how that goes. But I would be all in on moving Dylan Dubé just because I don't think there's really – I think it's run its course in Calgary. That's at least my opinion. Yeah, I could be talked into keeping him. Like, if they don't move him at the deadline, I won't be too upset by it. Like I said, he's got a couple more years of cost control, which is a bonus as well, either for the team acquiring him or for the Flames. Like, if he does take that step, you know you have him at a good deal compared to, like, a Manjapani who's getting ready for a big payday. So I, I, I'm torn on Dubé, but I think just, like, based on when you look at how the roster's set up, it kind of just feels like he's that guy that kind of doesn't totally have a role to find or a fit yet. So... I think you often see guys like that traded. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, speaking of guys not being traded, Johnny Gaudreau named the NHL's third star for his play last week. Uh, eight points, uh, two goals, six assists. Had a monster week, uh, and, and in good and in great categories with Nazem Kadri. I mean, it's just what a week for him. I, I think we just say this every week. Like it's just like ah, he's just so good. He he's the best. Like that. Like, even though he just had the one goal in the Vancouver game, like, he had a number of chances. He got that penalty shot, which he didn't go five-hole, but he still didn't score on, which is kind of a bummer. But um, with with Gaudreau, I'm trying, I think, the last half of the season, I think I'm going to try and just, like, let the contract stuff go. Like, it's clearly one of those things that's going to be decided in the offseason. I think I'm just going to try and sit back and enjoy the Flames having a superstar because I don't think there's an, a universe right now where the Flames sell, barring, like, a 15-game losing streak. So I'm going to just try and yeah. sit back and enjoy... Goudreau playing at an elite level and the Flames having a really good top line and try just not to get kind of... Because that's the one downside about Goudreau is anytime you're talking good about him, it it always comes up in the conversation at the end, like, oh yeah, but they got to sign him, they got to sign him. I'm just going to try and hopefully throw that out the window and just enjoy 40-some-odd games of Goudreau being elite because it, it's so much fun to watch right now, but if you kind of bring in the rain cloud, it kind of dampens it a bit, so... That'd be my advice to everyone to kind of let the contract stuff go and have some fun watching a superstar right now. Yeah. And the funny thing is when we did the tinderbox last week, um, Maddie was saying how the flyers people are all like, he's coming, he's coming. We know we're going to get him. We know he's coming here. And Maddie's like, you might want to temper your expectations. Like he's just so good in Calgary. But then there was a column written today out of Philly, not from broad street hockey. I forget who wrote it, but it was like, if Giroux gets traded, Goudreau's coming to Philadelphia and I'm like well that's not even guaranteed either like by all by all accounts Johnny likes playing in Calgary he likes the stat likes the city he likes the fan base he likes the team um he's flourishing under Daryl Sutter which I think everybody was like there's no way he's going to play I was even one of those people that's like Sutter is one of those grit defensive guys you know likes heavy teams likes checking um Goudreau probably having his best season outside of his 99 point effort uh of his NHL career under Daryl Sutter like it just it makes sense, even though it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it was one of those things where it felt like, okay, is this going to be the final nail in the Gaudreau coffin is the uh, is bringing in Coach Sutter last year? But no, yeah, like you said, he's been outstanding. I think that's something that he'll have to consider along with Matthew Kachuk when it comes to their contract this offseason is that on their line with Lindholm, who still signed for two more years after this, like they have one of the top lines in the NHL right now. And like if you want an opportunity to flourish and be on like a decent team, where you're going to get the best chances to succeed. Like I think both those guys will have to consider like they're on such a good line right now under a coach that seems to be getting the best out of all three of them right now that if they go anywhere else, they might not have that same success compared to what they're having here right now. Yeah. And it's funny, like Lindholm's almost the forgotten man on that line and he still has like points and like, four out of his last five, you know, so he's just, he's been buried behind the ridiculous that that is Kachuk and Gaudreau. So 
um, yeah, all, good things all around for that line. Um, so to, you know, finish off, you know, flames and stars tonight, uh, 6 30 PM mountain time start. And then it's a back to back Wednesday. Uh, they are at Arizona. And now we were talking about this the other day. It, I, I can't remember. Are the coyotes playing at Arizona state this week in the 5,000 seat stadium going forward? Or are they still going to be at Gila river arena? <laughs> yeah, that's next year. They're moving to the uh, okay. 5,000 seat stadium. That's smaller than like some beer league places I I've heard of. So like, how do you keep a team in the, we discussed this, but it always, how do you keep a team in the league? That's going to play in a 5,000 seat arena. Like, I just don't know how that works. Well, it's that and the fact that they don't even have the other arena deal or arena deal agreed upon yet. It's still in the works. Like, how do you move there without even like a guarantee that it's not going to be like that you have something on the way? Cause it's like when the chargers moved to the StubHub center in LA, like you think, well, it's cause they had their deal coming for the beautiful SoFi stadium that the Coyotes don't even have that yet. So if you're just going to have that, what if that turns into a five, six year stopgap that rather than like a one or two year stopgap, then you have like real issues. But for whatever reason, the league's keeping this team alive, and whether we agree with it or not, it seems like they're pretty content on letting them kind of stick around in Arizona, regardless of how right or wrong that is. So, I don't know. Re- com- with Regarding the Flames, I-, I could fully see them winning tonight in Dallas and then just blowing it tomorrow in Arizona. Like, that'd be a maximum Flames again. So, <sighs> I- it's going to be like uh, when they... Who was it? They beat Florida after losing to Ottawa. It's going to be a similar thing. I can already see it happening these next two days, but uh, hopefully I'm wrong. But yeah, no, I feel like Maximum Flames Chaos will be like losing 4-1 to the Coyotes after being Dallas 4 nothing. All I know is I look at the Coyotes and all I think of is Monty Python when they do and bring out your dead and they throw somebody on the cart and they're like, I'm not dead yet! <laughs> That's all I can think of when I think of the Coyotes. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Mark and Michael's Musings. When we come back, we got some NFL talk, some quarterback retired, and we're going to talk about who's the greatest athlete of all time and definitely anger some Edmonton Oilers fans. We'll be back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to Mark and Michael's Musings, a matchsticks and gasoline podcast. The Super Bowl is set. We've got the Los Angeles Rams by way of St. Louis, who are from Los Angeles. And we have the Cincinnati Bengals for the first time since 1988. I was 12 years old when the Bengals were in a Super Bowl the last time with Boomer Esiason in the icky shuffle. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on uh, last weekend's games. Um, I was getting a little nervous because I didn't want San Francisco to go because I kind of want McDonald as my new head coach. I mean, McDaniel as my new head coach <laughs> in Miami. So it's come the, the sooner they lose, the, the quicker the Dolphins can get their newest coach, but um, your thoughts on last weekend's games? I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, I thought they were pretty entertaining. Uh, the Bengals coming, making that big comeback. I think it all started with Andy Reid botching the. Uh, I guess you could call it Reid and Mahomes botching that end of end end of the first half there. With uh, I think they were inside the five and they threw an out with like five seconds left and no timeouts. And he was tackled inbounds. Like when you consider the game went to overtime and they got nothing on that drive, like. That totally set the stage for this comeback in the second half, and you kind of don't feel bad for the Chiefs anymore or Reed because Reed especially has done that before. But 
no, it was highly entertaining. It was, uh, I'm, I'm happy for the Bengals. I think I, ever since the Eagles won their Super Bowl, I've been kind of soft on, uh, cheering for teams that haven't won one before to finally get there. So that's who I'll be rooting for this weekend, even though I do like Stafford. Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still on that Stafford train because I just feel like he's just the ultimate like teammate for like dealing with what Detroit. I mean, I say dealing. He made a ton of money in Detroit and he had Megatron with him for a while, so that's fine. But um, yeah, I, I I'm kind of okay with either of these. But I tweeted, I'm waiting though for Boomer Esiason and all this lead up to listen to him talk about how great the Bengals are, how happy he is for the Bengals when somebody's got to post that clip of him sitting next to Carson Palmer on like the NFL this morning and being like, congratulations, you're going to the Bengals. They're the worst franchise ever. And I know, cause I played there. I'm waiting for that <laughs> stuff this week. <laughs> I'm waiting for Boomer Esiason's revisionist history of how great the Bengals are. Oh, it's going to be good to get. That's the best part of Super Bowl. It's you got two weeks. All that good stuff's going to come out by like halfway through when they run out of regular things to talk about. So, yeah, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I think it'll be fun. I think it's going to be a nice change of pace this year and uh, another home team playing in their home stadium for the second year in a row. I think that's a little. It's LA, so it's not quite the home field advantage you saw in like Tampa, but it's a. Uh, it's interesting. It's happened twice now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I think it'll be a very good game. And the playoffs as a whole have been really good. Um, all Most games have been, you know, tight. They've been entertaining. You know, there's been drama involved in everything. So which means the Super Bowl will probably be six to three. You know, have <laughs> a thousand turnovers and it'll rain or something stupid like that. So um, I'm going to go Rams in the Super Bowl. I'm guessing you're leaning towards Bengals. Yeah, well, I'll be cheering for them at least. I hope uh, for everyone's sake, like you said, like I hope Sean McVay learned from that last Super Bowl. I think it was 53 against the Patriots where it was like 10-3 or something. Like, I hope he learned how to kind of game plan a more entertaining Super Bowl for us because that was brutal. I think the punters were probably in the running for the MVP at that point. So, yeah, I just wanted to be entertaining. I uh, When my team's not in, I'll probably just grab a few drinks and watch with some friends and uh, not really care too much. But, yeah... It, I'm uh, looking forward to it. It's always a fun time of year. You've just described every Super Bowl Sunday for me for like the last uh, <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> no, actually, take it back. The last 35 years. That's every Super Bowl <laughs> for me. I just don't care. Um, so NFL talk. Also, uh, some guy retired the other day, a quarterback, uh, officially retired, Tom Brady. No longer driving fan bases nuts in the NFL. We don't have to worry about tuck rules and deflated footballs and my husband not being able to throw and catch the ball, um, you know, all the things that come along with Tom Brady. Uh, I will say begrudgingly, he is probably the greatest quarterback of all time in NFL history. I don't think you can argue that numbers wise. He's there championship wise. I don't care that he doesn't throw 70 yard bombs like Peyton Manning did or anything. Brady was efficient. Yes. He had help winning his first couple Super Bowls, but let's put it this way. The Patriots, you've seen it. They were not going to be what they were without Tom Brady. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think football especially is the sport where people like to say like, oh, it wasn't just him. But like when there's 52 people on your roster, you need a good team. You're as good as one player might be. They'll never be able to fully carry a team by themselves. So I have no disrespects to Tom Brady for having his team help him win those first few. And then when you win seven, I can't think I don't think seven times his team carried him to a Super Bowl. So no. Like hats off to him. Like, yeah, like you said, best greatest quarterback of all time. I think it's yeah, I, I don't think when you win seven championships more than any franchise has ever won in history, like I th I don't think you can even like I don't even know if it's an argument really anymore. He's just 
so good for so long and like even this year like he was still great like it's it's shocking that he's in his mid 40s and they were still like he's still good enough to come back which he was like it it still feels like he's almost walking away from something at this point rather than like being kind of like there's quarterbacks you can tell when they're done and they and they kind of like get retirement handed to them like the far when he kept coming back but with Brady, like even this past year, he was still very good. The, the Buccaneers were still thirteen and four. Like, yeah, it's almost I mean, like what's still on the table for you. Although when you've made as much money as he has and is still going to make in the rest of his life, like I don't blame him either for not taking shots into his late forties. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, he's selling though that Tom Brady apparel which just says brady on the front and it's a t-shirt for like 55 dollars. so i think he's gonna do his wife also makes like 275 gajillion dollars a year looking pretty so good for her good for them yeah exactly uh, good good for him i think uh can, can, i don't know if can, <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's all i got <laughs> i mean yeah if, if i was a afc east fan i'd be right there with you yeah. Well, it's funny. You talk about like, you know, quarterbacks get their retirement handed to them. I mean, I remember watching that 62 to seven debacle in Jacksonville and Marino's last game where it was like, holy Christ, this is how Dan Marino goes out. This is like benched, <laughs> benched for Damon Heward, beaten by Jay Fiedler, who became the quarterback for the Dolphins the next year. Like it was horrible. It was disgusting. But anyway, congratulations, Tom Brady. You had a wonderful NFL career. And now I just don't have to deal with you. Now I have to deal with the media up here who are all excited because Mac Jones made the Pro Bowl. Even Mac Jones made the Pro Bowl because like 45 other quarterbacks turned it down. So good good, good for you, Mac Jones. Suck it, New England. All right. So now with I'm okay with saying Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. However, Sportsnet did it. ESPN did it. Everybody did it. Who's the greatest athlete of all time? And they put Tom Brady in the photo with LeBron and Michael Jordan. And of all the people, Babe Ruth. I'm like, Babe Ruth, what? <laughs> Guy was a big fat guy who chain smoked cigars and ate hot dogs yeah. and drank beer. That that's maybe, just a maybe cool athlete dude. is a loose term for right? that. That's a guy you want to hang out with. He's not the greatest athlete of all time. Um, they, they go through the whole list. Um, there was a very very heavy contingent of Edmonton Oilers fans lobbying that Wayne Gretzky is the greatest athlete of all time, which I don't think is true. Um, I think maybe you could say Gretzky's the greatest hockey player to ever play. Sure, we can do that. We can have that debate. We can uh, say Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And I think it's tough with sport because in team games, I think it's hard to label somebody as the greatest athlete of all time because you have other people helping you, right? Brady doesn't throw touchdowns if the receiver doesn't get open, if the line doesn't block, right? So I know who I think is the greatest athlete of all time, and I've been lobbying this for years, and I'm partially biased to the whole thing for what sport I played as a kid. But Michael... Who do you think is the greatest athlete of all time? That is, it's such a tough question. Cause like you said, when they put all those names, kind of each sport has their different names on a pedestal. And then you kind of look at like, maybe the best athlete wasn't just the player that won the most, but kind of carried their teams the most. Like there's, there's been a lot of players. Like maybe when we look back at everything in 15 years, maybe that's Connor McDavid for carrying all these terrible Oilers teams from the past five years and the next 10 years. Cause we know they're not getting better. Like, it's one of those tough questions that, uh, like, I, I think when you look at, like, individual sports, like, you have Michael Phelps, you have, like, Serena Williams in tennis, like, some of those people, I think those are right up there with some of the best. Um, I, I would probably go with one of those two just on an individual level. And then I think, uh, I think on a sports thing, like, when you kind of look at athletes as a whole, I think, I think you do have to put Brady in that conversation just for winning for what he did to the sport for kind of, becoming such a household name even outside of football that I, I would have to put him right up there with like the MJs and the Le LeBrons, even though I know that kind of 
bugs you a little bit. So no, do you no, have? it's fine. I Michael Phelps. It doesn't. It's not to me. It's not even a question because Michael Phelps, much like Serena Williams, plays in an individual sport where you're competing against yourself and other people. And as someone who grew up swimming on swim teams from the time I was like, it, for the record, not even close to like what my my wife was a Division One NCAA college swimmer. Like she's closer to that than I am, and she's not close. Point is this: I know what it takes. Like, you know what it takes to be a swimmer if you've been on a swim team and what that practice is, the amount of miles you swim on a daily basis at practice, like his workout, his caloric intake, what he had to take in for food, like just looking at how he dominated in the Olympics. And you could, I'm, I could go with Serena Williams too. Just again, individual, you're playing against one other person. There's nobody carrying you, but you, I don't buy golfers. You can be 300 pounds and be a good golfer. It doesn't make you good athlete. You hit a ball, you walk after it. Golf takes incredible concentration. I know because I walk after a lot of my golf balls into the woods. I understand like golf is incredibly difficult. That's a mental game, right? But for me, it's it's Michael Phelps without a doubt the entire way. I don't buy Wayne Gretzky. A lot of those team guys, like we we talked earlier, and I'll take the hit on this one. Gretzky, who did Gretzky? Gretzky is an unbelievable. Don't like Gretzky. I probably put him up there is the greatest hockey player of all time. But look at what he had with him winning championships, right? Does Gretzky win those cups in Edmonton without Messier, Yari Curry, Paul Coffey, Grant Fuhrer, uh, Billy Ranford? You know, um, you could say the same thing with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan needed Pippen. Pippen needed Jordan. You know, those guys work together. Baseball is a whole different animal because it's such a methodical, plodding, different sport where – if Babe Ruth goes down as one of your greatest baseball players of all time, athletic, I look at him like, like Cecil Fielder, you know, you don't have to be in shape, you know, like, so athlete, maybe shape doesn't have to do with athlete, but I am all in on Michael Phelps as the greatest athlete of all time. Yeah. I have no complaints there. All the gold medals. Like he just, just again, a player, I think that defines your sport. I think that's how you kind of come up with the greatest of all time. In my opinion, when you're talking about whether it's a team or an individual sport, it's like, it's the person, like, when you Google swimming, like, Michael Phelps comes up. Like, it's one of those things. I think in terms of hockey, this is kind of just a side discussion I was going to have anyways, but do we have to start looking at throwing Alex Ovechkin into the greatest hockey player of all time conversation? Like, when when, when you see what he's doing this season, like, I think he has a legitimate case. Plus, a lot of those Capitals teams over the years were, like, good, but never great. And, like, I think yeah. you could argue he kind of carried them in an era where there wasn't a ton of scoring in the early 2000s yep. or early to mid 2000s. I think he's got to be right there as well, especially if he ever ends up breaking that Gretzky record, which looks more and more realistic really as each season kind of goes on here. Yeah. And I, and I think you look at that too with Ovechkin. I, I don't have a problem with even having him in that discussion, but I think it all at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, you know, personal stats and championships. And Gretzky's got that over anybody. Like, I don't, it's going to be so hard to be as good as him. You know what I mean? But Sidney Crosby's going to be one of those guys that goes down probably in that top, you know, top five, top 10. Same with Ovechkin. You got Gretzky, you got Lemieux, you got Yager. There's so many guys that fit that, you know? Um, it's just for me, like when you discuss the greatest athlete of all time, to me, it's hard to take. And I mean, I guess the individual sport athletes have an advantage over that as opposed to team sports where like, you know, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, wherever you want to go, you've got a coach working with you. Like Michael Phelps hits the pool and it's him. It's him in the water. It's him in the wall. And it's the guys on the right and the left of him, you know, and you, all you do is focus on that wall going back and forth. And it's just to me, team sports are so different because somebody can carry you. Like if Michael Phelps has an off night, who carries Michael Phelps? If Serena Williams has an off night, who carries Serena Williams? 
nobody, right? If Johnny Gaudreau has an off night, somebody can carry Johnny Gaudreau in the team. So I, I kind of look at it that way. But like I said, I'm also biased because I'm I, swimming is my thing. So like I'm, I'm all in on Michael Phelps. But uh, your point about Ovechkin is is a good one. You know, Ovi's done so much with Capitals teams that weren't loaded and stocked with talent. You know, um, so yeah, it's. You know, and people get caught up on records and stuff like that. I get it. Like, for the longest time, I pounded the table that Dan Marino was the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't care that he didn't win a Super Bowl because they never built him a defense or gave him a running game. But sometimes people carry teams with deficiencies and take them to championships. So that's just how life works, I guess, right? So, um, but yeah, I, I, I think Ovechkin definitely should be in that um, consideration for eventually maybe being the greatest player to ever lace him up and play hockey. So, yeah, good call. Um, anything else you want to add in that discussion? We're definitely, uh, definitely angering some people. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have the golf people mad at you. You might have some Tom Brady people mad at you. It's going to be a, a nice mix of folks coming after you, but uh, I guess that means you did your job. Um, I guess the one question I kind of have for you is, uh, are you going to watch any of the All-Star game or All-Stars, All-Star skills at all this weekend? I probably won't catch the skills competition. Um, I'm trying to think. I basically know what it revolves around. It's like, what do I have going on on Friday that's filling that spot where I need to get somebody to hockey practice or somebody to basketball practice? Or is there a game? Um, I always like watching the three on three tournament. I think it's fun. I think it brought a little life to the all star game. You know, it's like the old format, whether it was, you know, Campbell Conference or it was East versus West or it was, you know, USA or North America versus the world or whatever, you know, any of those things. The three on three adds a little excitement. And then you're not just throwing people at the all-star game because you need to fill a roster. You know, like I like I like the the, the three on three setup um, and it's over. It's like that. It's done. I feel like the games move quickly and it's not a dragged out process because nobody wants to watch two teams play a full game and the final score be. 15 to 12 like i don't find that exciting at all i don't know about you how about you so yeah yes if i have time i will try to watch absolutely yeah i think um regarding the all-star game i'm glad it, it sounds like they're doing it on the saturday night this year they usually did it like the sunday afternoon and like let's be honest these these guys are all getting together for a weekend and they're all hung over usually on the sunday afternoon games and you wonder why those old games were like 20 to 15 and nobody really gave a crap it's because they were all uh quite hung over so i think doing it on the saturday night let the guys still go have their fun the next day and like kind of actually see if we get a game out of it. i think that should be a good uh good call at least especially in vegas like i think maybe they should do this in vegas every year like as much as they like kind of getting it to every fan base and getting their like individual vibes on it like i think putting it in vegas really gives it a spectacle kind of thing which you want for an all-star game you want it to get some notoriety so i'm excited for it i'm going to try and watch them both as much as i can um I saw they had a couple Vegas-specific um, things in the skill contest, like something about going out into the fountains on a boat and shooting from there into targets. Or so. It looks kind of like a... It, it's very Vegas stuff, and I'm very excited for it. So I'll do my best to watch, and then hopefully, like you said, the three-on-three is usually pretty good. Hopefully uh, we see Johnny Gaudreau do some cool stuff this year, too. Yeah, and it, it, stay on the All-Star Game stuff for a minute. It's one of the two All-Star Games I enjoy watching. The other one is the Major League Baseball All-Star Game because it's played like a game. The Pro Bowl is stupid. Like, get that thing. Like, fire that thing into the sun. And same thing. The NBA All-Star Game is a joke. Nobody plays defense. Like, the dunk contest has a has a lifespan, right? I mean, when you're dunking over slot machines and all this other nonsense, it's, you know, maybe it's just because I'm old. I'm big on the heyday of the Michael Jordan, um, the Larry Nance, Kenny Skywalker, Dominique Wilkins, those guys where the dunks were original and they were fun. Even D Brown pumping them up and blindfolding with his arm, that type of stuff. 
but like to me, the NHL, the skills competition is fun because it does actually require some decent skill. Um, the only thing that's kind of fun to watch in the NBA is I, I always love the three point contest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause that legitimately like is a shooting skill. You know, it's not like I'm tall and I can jump high and, you know, not that, not the dunk contest is a bad thing. Cause Michael Jordan stuff and Dominique Wilkins, those guys watching them dunk was like absolutely ridiculous. But, um, I like the skill stuff more often. I like some of that stuff. So yeah, maybe, maybe they'll have a skills competition where you got to hit the slot machine and hit the handle and try to get, you know, three cherries or whatever, three gold bars. I don't know. <laughs> Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, what did you ever, uh, back, I guess baseball hasn't done this for a little while now, but what did you used to think when baseball used to decide a home field in the world series based on who won the all-star game? Do you think that was dumb? Did you think that was like, cause it kind of added a bit of a competitiveness to the game. Like it gave them something to play for, I guess. But where did you kind of stand on that? Did you think it was a, crazy idea or what i thought it was ridiculous because fox like fox was the first year they had it it was like this time it counts you know it's like a <laughs> stupid slogan and it was like i guess but at the same time like could you imagine being like the cincinnati reds pick two teams the reds and the orioles like they're never going to go to the world series but you're fighting for home field advantage there and you're relying on some guy from the brewers to strike somebody out or you're relying on somebody for the padres to get a hit you know to me that didn't make any sense because now you got two teams that like they're relying on some guy from some other team that doesn't matter to them helping them you know get home field advantage you know so i thought that was kind of stupid but I mean, I kind of like the idea. Like, I think it's an interesting one. Like, it depends how early in the season you do the All-Star game, because, like, if there's a lot of teams that are still kind of in it, like, if you still have 12 or 13 teams aside, like, maybe you get guys trying a bit more for it. Um, I think it's, like, the fans want to see an All-Star game that counts, but at the same time, like, I would be pissed if I was, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning who won the President's Trophy, then you lose home field or home ice to some seventh seed out of the West because of an All-Star game. Like, that part, I could see how it's kind of dumb, but I don't, it makes the game like guys trying a bit more. Although baseball's like you said, has always been pretty good for guys trying. Cause like, I feel like baseball is one of those sports. You really can't half-ass it as much as like, uh, like hockey or something. So like either you're hitting and you're pitching or you're not. So yeah. Pete Rose ran somebody over at the plate scoring in an all-star game. Like they take, like, <laughs> although I will say one of my favorite all-star game moments is when Randy Johnson threw a high fastball and John Cruck put his helmet on backwards. Cause he didn't want to get hit in the face. Like baseball can have fun with it, but you still have to play the game like a game. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't go up there and take three, you know, big whiffs and be done with it. So it's, you know, I, I'm I always like the, I always like the midsummer classic and I always like the NHL all-star game, but, um, yeah, um, I, I just could now we just go back to could you imagine like Gretzky playing in a three on three in an all star game format like those 80s players like how many goals would be scored in a three on three would be insane. probably as many as they scored in five on five in the 80s. <laughs> right. With those half curved all wood sticks and goalies with coming out of the horsehair pad era, like just a total nightmare. I remember like being so excited to watch Mike Vernon go to the all star game. Like oh, I gave up five goals. He played pretty well in that period that he played. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> it's just crazy how it works so all right well i think that wraps it up here on this episode of mark and michael's musings if you enjoyed this podcast you can find us on google podcast you can find us on itunes spotify and now on amazon music just go in and search up matchsticks and gasoline and you can find this podcast past episodes of this podcast past episodes of the tinderbox and past episodes of behind enemy lines flames and stars tonight two valuable points on the table Michael, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll catch you next time on Mark and Michael's Musings.